right, everybody. Welcome to Wednesday night service. Amen. It's nice and cozy warm in here, and it is freezing on the outside. Who's excited about that? Yeah, come on. That is, hey, we are getting there, and I'm just, I love this time of year. It is the absolute best. And we will take it. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to have an absolutely awesome time getting into the word together this evening. You picked a great night to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up together. And we're going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. And we're coming up on Election Day here in less than a week. And so it is just really important that we keep our faith released uh, for the right people, the righteous people, the people that fear God being put into the right positions in the name of Jesus. All right. So let's go ahead and speak these words of faith together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, give the Lord some praise tonight. Yes, you, ABCD. I mean, you may be seated. All right. So we're going to get into the announcements. We have got just a whole lot going on. But it's also another great time to give the Lord some praise for how great Harvest Fest went last week. Amen. Did everybody see that? So thank you to everybody that helped out with that. So many people, probably at least a 100 of the church members or more helped out with that. And uh, we were able to reach over 3,000 people. So what a great and awesome uh, week to do the work of the Lord. Amen. All right. So let's get into our announcements. First of all, young adults for ages 18 to 30-ish. Uh, we are going to be getting together on Friday at 7 o'clock and having a nacho buffet and bingo. Hello. And I'm, I'm thinking... Uh, Maybe I'm thinking Bible bingo. That just kind of has a ring to it. Bible bingo. Uh, no money will be exchanged. I promise you that. But it is going to be a wonderful night together. So Young Adults Friday 7, Nachos Bingo. Let's go. Men's meeting is Saturday at 9 a.m. Men, let's do this. All right. Now, have you heard what our official men's meeting motto is as of like three days ago? It is... Breakfast, Bibles, and bros. That's the new thing. Breakfast, Bibles, and bros. Amen? I mean, I, it sounded good in my head. Then I put it on paper and it didn't sound so good, but we're going to stick with it. All right? So breakfast, Bibles, and bros. Saturday, 9 a.m. Let's be there and have a great time. And then, of course, for all of you that still use an alarm clock like it's 1895, uh, the time change is this weekend. Amen? And so now if you use a cell phone, uh, then you're in good shape, man. You don't even got to worry about that. But if you're still like the old school thing, then praise God. Renee, do you still use that alarm clock? All right. She's my one. We've got one in the crowd. Let's hear it for Renee, everybody. Oh, two. All right. Okay. Is there anybody else that uses an actual alarm clock? We need to know now. Identify yourself because we will find out. Okay. That's good. Two of you. Very good. So uh, you two set those clocks back. Let's go. Uh, Women's meeting is going to be on Friday, November 11th at 630. All right, ladies. Uh, Pastor Katie will be doing the word that night. And uh, you're going to bring a comfort food to share, comfort each other, and uh, have a wonderful 
whatever you ladies do time. All right, very good. Let's go. Uh, church Thanksgiving dinner is going to be Sunday, November 20th. All right. So we're about three weeks out from that. Easily top three Sundays of the year. It's in the top three. And so uh, we're going to be here that day. Uh, we, I, I heard we had a sign-up sheet. I haven't confirmed that. If not, we'll be passing that around on Sunday. And uh, we got to sign up, bring some food, uh, bring some turkeys. And it'll be a huge crowd, lots of people to feed. But it's going to be a really wonderful time, all right? And then uh, who's ready to start talking about Christmas? Can we? All right, yeah. I, good answer. Let's do this, all right? So... Okay, and and uh, here comes the Thanksgiving dinner sheet. So go ahead and start signing that up. But uh, the first Christmas thing we got going on is the Christmas came early party presented by the Lyft Family Ministry is going to be on. Uh, Sunday, November 27th. That's the last Sunday of this month at 6 p.m. This is an annual tradition. Everybody, you wear your ugliest sweater. We bring some cookies. We exchange some gifts. It is an absolute blast. It is wonderful. We'll have more details coming soon. Lawrence and Leah will be heading that up. But anyway, mark your calendar now. You don't want to miss this. It is going to be great. And then here's what I'm really, really excited about. We are having a Christmas concert this year and it's going to be with laura cook from tulsa oklahoma yeah and um if you don't know laura she is tony cook's daughter and uh she's just super cool she used to be the head worship leader at oral roberts university and uh now she tours and sings with a band and everything like that and pastor katie and i ran into her in dallas a couple weeks ago and we just really hit it off good she was already going to be out here in la doing a concert and she said hey let's let's do something in barstow so we said let's do it so friday december 16th we'll be having a full-out christmas concert with laura cook and her band and uh, I mean, we'll be pumping this up more and more in the coming uh, weeks, but you are going to have a blast that night. They are absolutely awesome, okay? All right. I think that's all the announcements that we have for now. So who knows what time it is now? Yes, it is happy time. If you need an envelope, raise your hand and the ushers will get you one. And we're going to open our Bibles to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi 3. And I'm going to be in the New King James on this one. Now, if you're giving online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving. But Malachi chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 8 through 10. And for some of us, maybe we've heard this verse in this chapter hundreds of times. If you're like me, I would say maybe millions of times. But at the same time, uh, we can't ever forget that we need to uh, make sure everybody knows the truth of God's word regarding tithing. And also, uh, we all need reminded of this, but Malachi 3 and verse 8 in the New King James, it says, Will a man rob God? And I would say, not this man. There's no way I'm going to rob God. He says, Yet you have robbed me. But you say, In what way have we robbed you? He says, In tithes and offerings. Oh, my gosh. So verse 9, You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even the whole nation. Verse 10, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Well, what's the tithe? Well, that is the tenth. Tithe means tenth. And so uh, as Christians or the people here in uh, in, in uh, Israel, they were to bring a tenth of all of their income into the temple. For us, we would say the church. And that helped keep the church going and helped them do everything they needed to do back then. And the same thing still today. And so he says, bring all the tithes or the 10 percent 
into the storehouse that there may be food in my house in the temple and try me now in this says the Lord of hosts if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it and so God says when we tithe the biggest reason we want to do it is simply out of obedience I mean if God says to do something that's a good enough reason right there I don't even need anything else but uh, but we're so blessed in this in that he gives us an even further reason to obey him. And he says, I will open up the windows of heaven. I will bless you so much that you won't even have room enough to receive it. And I know in our lives, as, as we've been tithers and so many of you guys, you know that God has given you exceeding and abundantly. You've got more than you need. And sometimes we're looking at like, man, I just don't think I, I want this over here. Listen. We've got more than enough in so many things in our lives. And what does God want us to do with that? He wants us to be givers and to bless other people. And he just keeps bringing it on back in, doesn't he? Amen. All right. Well, let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. We're going to speak some words of faith over our tithes and our offerings because we do everything by faith. The New Testament tells us anything that's not of faith is a sin. And so we even want to give our tithes and our offerings out of faith. Amen. So let's say this together. Oh, that's the wrong one. Okay. As we bring, I've got so many confessions. We believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go.
raise our hands to him tonight for a minute. Jesus, we love you, and we can boldly say tonight that great are you, Lord. Lord, you are good, and you are good all the time. There's never a time in our lives when you've been bad to us. There's never a time in our lives when you've failed us, Lord. You've always been there, and we can say just like King David did in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I have all that I need. And we thank you, Jesus, tonight that as we get into your word, you're going to speak to us, Lord, and you're going to show us what we need to see so we can be the absolute best Christian that you've called us to be. So we can reign in victory in our lives in every single area, because we know you always cause us to triumph in Christ Jesus. And so tonight, speak to us, Lord, show us what we need to see. We love you and we praise your name in Jesus name. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give him some praise tonight. Amen. Why don't you shake hands with somebody, give him a nice little uh, high five or something there, and we will be getting into the word. That's what I love about this church. I say give a high five. Y'all are hugging and and my goodness. All right. You guys are the best. All right. We're going to get into the word tonight. And the title of the message is this. It's called Only Believe. It's called Only Believe. And uh, it may not sound like, uh, you know, such a a deep thing, but I can tell you this much. Uh, If you study the four gospels time and time again, you'll see Jesus telling people only believe and most often it was also paired with these words fear not he often said fear not only 
believe. He said it many, many times. And I, as I as I look at in our lives, I believe he said that so much because we probably need to hear those words very often because fear does try to come in and get a hold of us, right? And the scripture clearly says to fear not. And then Jesus followed it up with, you know, only believe. So it's almost like he was saying, fear not, but what you can do is believe. And in fact, he says, only believe. A good example, I'm not turning there for the sake of time, but Mark 5.36. Uh, when Jairus' daughter died, everyone was afraid and then flipping out. And he says, fear not, only believe. And so if we examine our lives, I know that every Christian would say, yeah, psh, I believe. Gosh, <laughs> who do you think you're talking to here? Of course I believe. But if I was to examine further, I can say that many times in my life, I've probably said I was believing. But if I was to be super honest with myself, I probably wasn't actually believing at that moment. And uh, and that's not a condemnation. That's not a judgment. That's not a, you know, uh, you know, pointing fingers at anybody. That's just let's let's get real. We want to help people here. And you've got to own up to it and you have to look in the mirror and you've got to be honest with yourself and, and say, if you actually are truly trusting and believing, or if maybe you've let fear come in, and maybe you actually aren't really in faith and trusting and believing God at the moment. And so we're going to look at a few things tonight in the New Testament, uh, several stories from Jesus on when he dealt with people in very difficult and bad situations and see how he handled it. And, and so the biggest thing tonight is this, you've got to get this only believe. You've got to actually believe God and trust him, okay? And so number one is this, if we're talking about belief and faith, number one, unbelief pulls the plug on the power. Amen? Unbelief pulls the plug on the power. You know that Jesus is the source of the miracle power that could absolutely rock your world and change your situation around. Jesus is the power. We know this. And when we when we start believing and have faith, what are we doing? We are plugging in to that power. But when we start to doubt and have unbelief and not actually trust God, it's like we just pulled the cord right out and now it's not powered up anymore. All right? So I'm going to show you something in Mark chapter 6. Let's go there. Mark 6. Thank you, Dylan. Anyone else excited? All right. <laughs> How's the south side of the building over here? You guys are, you know, sometimes that south side, man. I tell you what. Whew. Okay. Uh, Mark chapter six, and we're going to look here at verses five and six in the NLT. And we got a, there's just a few stories that I want to look at tonight, but Mark chapter six, and we're going to look here at verses five and six. And so here we have Jesus in his hometown, his own neck of the woods, Nazareth. All right. He was born in the little town of Bethlehem and he was raised in the town of Nazareth. And here he is. He's been out doing miracles and he's actually starting to get kind of famous. And he goes back to his hometown and people would be like, oh, man, as much success as Jesus has had everywhere else. When he goes to his hometown, he is going to rock it, man. I mean, those people, they love him so much. They're going to connect right up with, with, with what he's got going on. If there's anywhere that he will do good, it is on his home court. It is in his hometown, in his own neighborhood. And actually, nothing could be further from the truth. 
This is one of the craziest things in the whole New Testament. And so he's, he's doing his thing just like he does everywhere. But look at this, Mark 6, and starting at verse 5. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Now, the original Greek there kind of denotes that it was people with minor ailments. And so if you follow Jesus' ministry everywhere else, I mean, he's raising the dead. He's healing the blind and the deaf, casting devils out everywhere. He goes to his own hometown. It says he could do no mighty miracles. Why? Was Jesus just having an off day? Well, that couldn't be possible because Jesus doesn't have an off day. That tells us, and it tells us right here what it was. It was because of their unbelief. There are two parts to your miracle. There's Jesus' part, which we know he's going to deliver, and there's your part. His part is to provide the power. Your part is to provide the faith. You have to believe and trust him. And so these people in Nazareth, they didn't do their part. They they had such unbelief that Jesus Christ himself could not do any mighty miracles there. And in our minds, we're always like, no, it's Jesus. He can just straight overpower all of your unbelief and force all of his goodness. He can force his healing upon you. Jesus doesn't force himself on anybody. It's up to us to receive. And in this instance, there's a whole group of people here. This is, I mean, the only spot that we see where Jesus was basically handcuffed and he couldn't do what he did everywhere else. How powerful is that? Think about that, that they stopped the miracle working power of Jesus in the tracks right there. That is that is nearly mind blowing to think about. And so no wonder Jesus all over the place said, no, 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 no. Just believe that all I need you to do. Just don't be afraid. Only believe I'll take care of the rest. And so in my life, I realize that I have got to take this seriously. He's going to provide the power. He's got the miracle working everything up there where he's at. But I have a massive role to play in my miracle. And my role is to believe and have faith. And look at verse 6. And he was amazed at their unbelief. That's insane. There's two places in the New Testament that says Jesus was amazed or astounded. One of the spots is right here in Mark chapter 6, where he was just amazed at their unbelief. The other spot is in Matthew chapter 8 with the Roman centurion. The man wasn't even Jewish, but he told Jesus, you don't even need to come to my house to pray for my servant. Just speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. And it says Jesus was amazed at his great faith. And so there's in the Bible two ways to absolutely amaze Jesus. Number one, be a massive doubter and unbeliever and have no faith and it'll just amaze Jesus. And number two, you can have great faith and believe him just like the man in Matthew chapter 8 and it will amaze Jesus and so again everywhere Jesus went huge miracles massive things he gets right here it comes to a screeching halt because of their unbelief and I'm telling you I've seen God's miracle working power too many times in my life at this point to start doubting now I have seen miracles from God so many times. And, 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 and so I, I, I've got to believe. 
simply because his word says to. And also, hey, I got to say, I've seen it with my own eyes. All right. And so I want you to look at chapter nine, Mark chapter nine. All right. Th- that was Mark chapter six. Let's go over to chapter nine. And I already told you that Mark chapter five, verse 36 says, fear not only believe. But let's look at Mark chapter nine. We're going to start at verse 20. We'll be, we'll be reading verses 20 through 27. We having a good time tonight? We're trying to teach a little bit tonight, more than preach, all right? Mark chapter 9, starting at verse 20 through 27. Now, this is just, this is a wild story. And uh, and as, as, you know, if you're a parent of children, I mean, this story just kind of rips at your heart a little bit. But thank God for Jesus, because Jesus showed up and saved the day. But Mark chapter 9, and we're getting, we got a story here of this this little boy that was just tormented by an evil spirit. The thing tried to kill him, and Jesus saved his life. In Mark chapter 9, verse 20, it says, So they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. I mean, that's not doesn't sound like a cute little bedtime story, does it? That's crazy. It's even more crazy when you've seen that happen. I've seen it happen. But thank you, Jesus. I know the power of the name of Jesus. We know how to handle this stuff. When I was 11, uh, I went to Mexico. And uh, we were in Mexico, and we were at a church there. And there was a boy like this. He was about 13 years old. I don't even think I've ever told this story in a sermon. I'm just telling it now. But anyway, we get there, and the church we were going to go work with, they're like, there's a boy here. We just want you to know that, uh, you know, preachers come in, and they say that he's he's not. He's just, you know, he's just got some different issues. And I'm like, dude, the second I showed up at 11 years old, I knew that that boy had an evil spirit. And one big way you can tell if someone has an evil spirit, let's, I'm just going a whole different direction now, is they can't stand to hear the name of Jesus. I will promise you that now. And if some, anytime someone's like, you know, the, I think that this person's possessed or I think my kid's got something going on, I'll just straight up ask him, can you tell me right now that Jesus Christ is Lord? And if they can tell me that, I'm pretty much sure that they aren't possessed. But I've come across some, they can't say that, and that's usually when something crazy starts to happen. But thank you, Jesus. We have the name of Jesus, the name above all names. Amen. And in Mark chapter 16, it's told us to, man, to cast out devils in the name of Jesus. And so we can absolutely do that. But you'll notice right here that the second that Jesus rolls up on the scene, this evil spirit just goes wild on this little kid. And he falls to the ground and all this stuff. And so verse 21, Jesus freaks out. No, no. Jesus, he stays calm and he starts just asking some questions. And I'm like, I just pictured this story earlier. I mean, this is all happening and Jesus starts talking to them, you know. So how long has this been happening? And, and like, he wasn't even afraid at all. And so uh, he asked them, how long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. Mm, if you can. Well, what, is, what does Jesus do? Verse 23, what do you mean if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. Come on. Notice he didn't just say anything's possible if I'm in the room. We know that, praise God, that's half of the equation. But once again, he puts 50% of the problem solving on the individual. Anything's possible if you believe. 
Again, why didn't he just say anything's possible as long as I'm around? Well, we know that praise God. Yes, with God, all things are possible. Hallelujah. But time and time and time and time again in the four gospels, Jesus consistently puts some of it back on us. He doesn't, he never puts it on us to provide the power. He never once says, you've got to be strong and give it everything you got. He never says that, but he nonstop says, I need you to believe. You have to believe. Trust me. Do you believe? You've got to believe nonstop. That's half of the thing right there. He does what he does and you have to provide the faith and the belief. All right. And so anything's possible. If a person believes verse 24, the father instantly cried out, I do believe but help me overcome my unbelief. What that, that, don't, that sounds like an oxymoron, like a contradiction, like what's going on right here. But that sounds crazy until you've actually been in that spot. And I believe that I've been in that spot before where it's like, I do believe, but I've got to still, there's, there's still unbelief that's trying to mess with me. And, and, and it's, it's, it's shaking me. It's, 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 it's pulling me around. If you've been in that spot, you understand that verse. If you've never been there, that makes no sense to you. I've kind of been there before. And so I've been able to say, Jesus, I, I, I believe, but unbelief is trying to rip it out of my hands. Help me to overcome this. Verse 25, when Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, he said. I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and then left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. What? They're thinking like, Jesus was supposed to help. Instead, he kills the kid. What's going on here? But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet, and he stood up. The boy was healed and delivered from that demon. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't God good? And so as, as we look at that, I mean, I've got about 50 sermons out of that story right there. But, but, but I, I, I want to address something in verse 26. Notice Jesus commanded that devil to come out. And then what does it do? It throws one final tantrum before it leaves. And oftentimes that happens. And, uh, and you know, maybe, uh, you know, if you've got kids, you kind of tell them, you, you know, you, you take care of it, you discipline them, you give them the instructions. No, you're not going to do that anymore. What do they do a lot of times? They may throw one final tantrum and then they, they take off, right? And really that's kind of what I look at this as is sometimes, you know, you have claimed the victory. Jesus did his part. You did your part. And the devil knows, man, I got to leave now. And so what does he do? He throws one final little tantrum to kind of make you think that it, nothing happened. But if you will just stay in faith, don't say, well, I guess it didn't work. No, he's just throwing one final little fit before he has to go. Right. And that's what happened right here. And so some of you in your life, you have spoken the word. You have fought the fight and you have got victory in Jesus name. And the devil's just throwing one more little fit before he has to scoot on out of there. And don't let that fool you. You have won. Jesus is king and you have the victory in the name of Jesus. Somebody ought to say amen right there on a cold Wednesday night in Barstow, California. All right. Now I want to show you an insanely important verse. Colossians 1 23. Man, I'm trying to throw a lot of verses in tonight. I thought we'd just do you a favor and give you a bunch of verses. Colossians 1, 23. Check it out. 
really, really important verse for you to see because we're talking about only believe. Yeah, well, what's my job in all of it? Well, first of all, only believe. You got to do this. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 23. And this is just a really, really key verse. Colossians 1, 23, it says, But you must continue to believe this truth and what? Stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news or when you heard the word of God. And so way too often we get excited and, 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 and pumped up for something that we prayed for, maybe for a day or two or, or whatever the case is. And then we start to drift away from the assurance we received when we first heard the word of God on the matter. Now, oftentimes, maybe you're <clears throat> fighting a battle and, and you find a verse about it. You know, whatever, you know, whatever verse it is that's going to help you out. We'll say uh, Matthew eight seventeen. Jesus took your sickness and removed your disease. And so you've been eating healing. You find a verse that tells you that Jesus paid the price and you get all excited about it. And then when you are 100% better in one day, what happens? If you're not careful, you start to drift away from the assurance you received when you first heard the word. But it tells us right here, here it is, underline it, highlight it, put cute little stars beside it, draw a unicorn, I don't care. But you need to know that it says right here, continue to believe. Say that with me. Continue to believe. Well, I did believe, I used to believe, and now blah, 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 blah. But what happened? You didn't continue to believe. You started out believing, but then you didn't continue to believe. We have to continue to believe. And I believe this verse right here holds the answer to why we aren't seeing a lot more results to some of the things in our lives. Because we're not really sticking to our guns on the issue. You have to get the word of God on the matter and get it firmly settled in your heart. I mean, you got to take God's word as straight facts. All right. So let's say, well, you know, here we go. What's one plus one? How do you know that? <laughs> Gosh, they got you. Wow. Well, no, you've established that as a fact in your heart. What if I came up and said, not no more. I got common core math. No, I'm just kidding. No, uh, well, no one plus one. All right. I ask you one, one, one plus one. Uh, well, to me, it's three. And, and so uh, one plus one is three. You say, no, it's not. You're a liar. No, no. The facts are one plus one is two. That, that's the truth. That's the facts. And I could argue with you all day, but I dare say that I couldn't convince anybody in this room that one plus one no longer equals two because you have it so firmly established on the inside of you that I couldn't even begin to, to convince you otherwise. Well, what happens when God's word says, by the stripes of Jesus Christ, you've been healed? Straight facts. And then the devil comes up and says, hey, you're not healed and you're not getting healed. And you will always have to deal with this situation. What are you going to do? Well, if you know the facts, if you have got it firmly planted and established in your heart, you'll answer back and say, you're a liar. No. God's word says that by Jesus stripes, I have been healed. You'll answer back. And there's no way anybody can talk you out of it. You've got to get God's word firmly established in your heart so much that you believe it just as much, 
if not more, than you do your math tables from first grade. Let's go. So I'm just telling you right now, man, you've got to get God's word established in your heart. Number two, I better move or we're going to run out of time. Number two, we're talking about only believe. Hey, number two, let God be God. Let God be God. Let him do what he does. I thought about this, you know, imagine you're, you know, out there playing ball, you know, hooping and, uh, and, and, and an NBA, you got an NBA player on your team, right? And, and you, the whole time you're getting beat, you're getting punked, you're getting just absolutely whipped the whole game. And you've got this one guy could beat the entire other team all by himself, right? But what's the deal? You never pass him the ball. You never put him in the game. And I'm thinking, you could win if you would just let the baller ball. (laughs) If you would just let the man do what he does and just stand out of the way, just trust him, give him the ball, and believe that he's going to take care of business. And how many times you've got Jesus Christ on your team, but you don't ever pass it to him, you don't ever put the ball in his hands, you're just trying to do this whole thing all on your own. You're losing, you're not making it, and all this, and you're like, well, golly, I don't know what the issue is. Man, give it to the man. Give it to Jesus. Let him do something. Let God be God. Let Jesus be Jesus. Let's do this. And so I want you to look here in John chapter 11. John 11, and this is a story. Uh, man, this is a good chapter right here. But John chapter 11 gives us the story of Lazarus. Anybody remember a guy named Lazarus? And so Jesus had a good friend named Lazarus. Lazarus became sick. And his sisters, Mary and Martha, sent a letter to Jesus saying, Jesus, you got to come quick. It does not look good. We need you to heal him. And so the disciples, you know, they're thinking like, oh, Jesus, we better go. This is Lazarus we're talking about. And so Jesus tells them, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. And so Jesus intentionally delays two whole days before he actually goes to visit Lazarus. And so during that delay, Lazarus literally dies. So John chapter 11, and we're going to look here at verses 11 through 17. John chapter 11, verses 11 through 17. And we'll see how Jesus handles the situation with Lazarus, all right? And so then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. And so... The disciples said, well, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll just get better soon. They thought Jesus meant that Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, boys, Lazarus is dead. (laughs) And I can just imagine Jesus saying this like, okay, guys, you're clearly you're not getting this. Lazarus died a couple of days ago. We're here. We got here late. And, And so he has to explain this. Verse 15, and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will what? Really believe. And so really believe? That must mean that they said they believed, but they were not actually really believing. They were some sort of fake believing. And so he says, now you're going to actually really believe. Come, let's go see him. So Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, you got to love Thomas, let's go too and die with Jesus. What? And you little Thomas... And you got to know Thomas, right? Especially John really shines the light on Thomas in his gospel. But Thomas was, you know, he's got the nickname Doubting Thomas. And there's several instances where he is just straight 
negative. And so right here, Jesus says, we're going to go take care of this. And Thomas, can you imagine saying this to Jesus? Okay, you're going to die and and we're going to die too. So uh, yeah, I mean, good Lord. All right, look here. Verse 17, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for how long? Four days. The man had been dead and now he had been in the grave for four days days. Now, after four days of being dead, it would definitely seem like it was all over. The ship has sailed. Let's just play the hand that fate has dealt us. We're going to lose this one. I mean, we're not talking about he died five minutes ago. The man was dead for four days. And and so as you read the story, I'm going to cut to the end of it because, you know, we can't read 60 verses tonight. But as we cut to the end of this story here, you'll see that all throughout it, Jesus not only had to deal with the death, the actual problem, he had to keep dealing with other people's doubt and unbelief. Now, I've been in some bad situations where the problem itself was bad enough, but to make matters worse, you're surrounded by people that doubt and don't believe, and they're trying to throw their junk into the mix. That's a rough spot to be in. Even for Jesus right here. And so Thomas, and and out of all of it, you've got 12 dudes that are supposed to be your very best friends. And I mean, even those guys don't even believe. How bad is that? And oftentimes you'll find that even those closest to you are on the front lines spitting their unbelief at you. Okay, we'll go, but you know we're going to all die. This this is not going to turn out well, Jesus. I mean, sometimes... It's bad enough to deal with the actual problem, but to make matters worse, you got a bunch of doubters and haters right there beside you spitting their junk all over the situation. Thank God that Jesus stopped every single time and addressed the doubt. But look here, we're going to cut down to verse 39. So John chapter 11, verse 39. And, uh, and Jesus has dealt with Thomas' doubt, the other disciples' doubt, Martha the very sister of Lazarus, heard out. And so uh, here we go, verse 39 through 44. Jesus steps up, roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. And I'm thinking, if you're worried about the smell, pop a sensi and light a candle. Good Lord, man, come on, get over it. I'd rather have my brother back. Jesus responds. No, he addresses it. He doesn't let this slide. He straight up calls it out and addresses it. Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? He didn't let that slide. He straight addressed her. Verse 41. So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so they'll believe that you sent me. And so Jesus had just had to say it out loud and put them on blast right there. He's like, I know you heard me, Lord. I get it, Father. You heard me. But I got to say this so all these doubters will believe that you sent me. Verse 43, then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him or loose him and let him go. I love that 
story right there. The man was dead. And you've ever seen like a mummy? We just came through Halloween, man, people dressing up like mummy. That is what this man looked like. Can you imagine being in the crowd that day? Jesus stands in front of a cave and says, Lazarus, come forth. And this mummy just comes stumbling out of there. He's like, unwrap him and let him go right now. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Well, what do we have here? Jesus had to keep telling them, I'll do my part. I just need you to believe. So oftentimes we let our mind get in the way of what God wants to do. But notice there in verse 40, he said, if you believe, you'll see the power of God. And I got to point out again, he did not say, hey, watch this. You'll see the power of God today. No matter what your faith level is, you're just going to see the power of God because I'm going to shove it down your throat and you're going to see it. No, he said, if you believe, then you'll see the power of God. People say, I don't get it. I don't ever see no power of God. I don't ever see no miracles. I don't ever see nothing cool happen. Okay, well, how much belief do you have in the mix? Because we certainly know there's no shortage of power in heaven. Again, Jesus isn't having an off day. It's up to us. We have to believe. And that's exactly what happened right here. I'm just going to quote this verse. I don't have time to go there. Write it down. Second Chronicles 16 and verse 9. Write it down. Second Chronicles 16 verse 9. And the New King James says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Why? To show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. God's eyes are looking to and fro. That means he's scanning the earth. His eyes are looking around to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. Is your heart loyal to Jesus? Is your heart loyal to God? If it is, he is looking for you. He wants to show up and show off in your life. He wants to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. And there's an old quote, but I, you got I got to say it. You got to what? Let go and let God. Let go of it and let God handle it. And you got to quit trying to figure this out on your own and let God do his thing. All right. Let's get on to number three right here. And that's this. Number three. With belief in God, anything is possible. With belief in God, anything is possible. And so I want to look at a story here real quick about two blind guys that followed Jesus, begging him for healing. Uh, Matthew chapter 9. Let's go. Matthew chapter 9. We're almost out of time, so I've got to fit this in here. Matthew chapter 9. Are we encouraging you tonight? Are we challenging you? Sometimes we come and we get motivated, and sometimes we get challenged. Tonight I'm hoping to do both. Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to look here at verses 28 through 30. And so we have here that um, uh, these, these guys are, blind guys are following Jesus, begging him, Son of David, have mercy on us. They want healed. And so Matthew chapter 9 and verse 28 It says, they went right into the house where he was staying. And Jesus asked them, do you believe I can make you see? Yes, Lord, they told him, we do. Then he touched their eyes and said, 
because of my insanely incredible powers, it will happen. Now, that is true. Absolutely. That's half of the equation right there is uh, uh, because of his power. Yes, but that's not what he said. He said, because of your faith, it will happen. Then their eyes were opened and they could see Jesus warned them, don't tell anyone about this. Well, that's another teaching for another day, but he wasn't quite ready to be, you know, uh, shown as the Messiah just yet. But anyway, we're not going into that. So what we have here is several times, once again, in the four Gospels, someone would come and beg Jesus, Jesus, fix my problem. And many, many times he would say, okay, well, well, do you believe I can? Now, why was that? Did Jesus need words of affirmation? Was that high on his love language test? When he Did he score high for words of affirmation? Did Jesus just need, you know, was it? No, listen. Jesus knew he could do it. You, you realize that, right? He, Jesus was fully aware that he could heal the blind, that he could raise the dead, that he could do all of it. Why in the world did he consistently stop and say, okay, but do you believe I can? Because he had to locate where their faith was. And I promise you right now, 2022, promise you that you're sitting here, Jesus, help. And he's saying, okay, 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 okay. Do you believe that I can? Why do I know that Jesus is doing that right now? Well, Hebrews 13, 8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so Jesus didn't change. And so if Jesus needed to locate your faith way back then in 30 AD, he needs to locate your faith right now. So he's saying, okay, all right, I can do it. No doubt. I, I, I can do it. Do you believe that I can do it? And these guys said, yes, Lord, we believe. And he knew they weren't just blowing smoke. They weren't just saying that. These guys meant it. And he said, okay, be healed. And what happened? They were healed. I love it, man. I love this stuff. I, I love seeing this. And so um, one final verse, Hebrews 11. 1. Can we do one more? One more verse? Hebrews 11. 1. Let's go. Hebrews 11. 1. Now, one time, Pastor Katie, she had released her faith for a new vehicle. This was like circa 2009. <laughs> maybe, no, maybe eight. I don't know. A long time ago. Anyway. Uh, so she had released her faith for a vehicle. She was in the name of Jesus. We, we, need, a, we need an extra vehicle. And so one day I'm, I'm driving and uh, actually the chaplain from the Marine base at the time, he calls me and says, hey, I want to give you a van. And I'm like, huh? What? He's like, yeah, uh, I'm just going to, I just want to sign the title over to you. I want to give it to you. So I show up. He gives me a van, which is great. Then he gives me a bunch of AutoZone gift cards and a wad full of cash. And I was like, thank you? What, I mean, what do you, what do you say to that? That's, <laughs> it's incredible. And so, you know, I, I, I tell Pastor Katie and she's like, oh, great. Yeah, I was believing for that. I'm like, that's all you got? Like, what, where's the hoopla? And she's like, no, you don't get it. I prayed for this. I knew it was going to happen because I believed it was going to happen. Now, here's the thing. I wanted a new vehicle. I was hoping it would happen. She was believing it would happen. There's, that's a difference, all right? There's hope, and then there's faith. They're both beautiful things. you got to have hope before you have faith. But I was just hoping she was believing that it would happen. And so what's the difference? Well, hope is that initial spark that says, okay, you know what? God could do this. Uh, yeah, I, th it, it, This is possible. And so I always put it this way. Hope says 
God can do it. Faith says God will do it. Amen. You got to start off with believing that God can. But when you cross that line into, no, God is going to do this. We got this. Jesus, you got this. When you cross that line, woo, look out, brother. Look out, sister. Big things coming. Hebrews 11.1, 1, NLT. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we can not see. Oh, it gives you assurance. Imagine an assurance about things that you cannot. You're convinced of something, though you've never seen it. How many of you really believe that God's real? No, I mean, this isn't a trick question. Just want to locate you. All right. Okay. Most of you do believe that. That's good. How many of you have actually seen God face to face? I have not. Okay. 37. Been serving him a long time. Never seen him face to face. Yet I am convinced. I have this assurance that he is so real though I've never even seen him. Why? That's faith. Faith gives you an absolute assurance. No doubt in my mind. No, I, no, I believe it. Even though you've never seen it. And that's what faith does. It gives us the assurance about things we cannot see. Brother Hagen told this story one time about he had a pastor friend that, anyway, he was trying to close this, this real estate deal. And so he's like, you know, Brother Hagen, can you pray with me on it? And so... Brother Hagen says, uh, all right, hey, do you, do you believe that this is going to happen? He's like, oh, I'm a hoping and a praying. I had someone say that to me the other day, actually, from church right here. Uh, I, I was praying with them. Do you believe? I'm a hoping and a praying. And listen, Brother Hagen said, you know what? It's not going to happen. Let's not even pray. And the guy was like, what? No. And, and he's like, let me explain to you. There's a difference between hope and faith. Hope is beautiful and you've got to have it. But... When we're praying, man, you gotta start moving on beyond just hoping. I'm a hoping and a praying. You gotta get to, no, I believe it. And so he showed him the word of God. The man got faith in his heart. And then within a few days, boom, the whole deal was closed and everything worked out perfectly. And so never again just like, well, I'm a hoping. You know, if, if we ask you, you know, hey, we're gonna pray with you. Do you believe this is gonna happen? I sure hope so. I really can, I need things to change. I hope so. Come on. No, you've got to get to the point where you're not just relying, let's get real, on my faith. I say that out of love, right? Because people, you know, oh, he's got the magic. Uh, no, there's no magic touch. Not me, my mom, or my dad, or my wife, or anybody with the name of samples, or any elder or leader in this church. None of us have a different connection to God than you have. We all have the exact same connection. You realize that, right? I've got no more, you know, <laughs> I, I'm just being honest with you. I've got no magic touch. My dad doesn't. My mom doesn't. We've got no back door to heaven that only preachers get to go through while everyone. No, it's all the same, dude. It's all the same. You've got the same connection. Now, when you kind of first become a believer, oftentimes you can kind of piggyback off of, you know, someone else's faith. Praise God. And absolutely, we're going to keep laying hands on you. But after a while, you start growing up. You're going to have to start doing some believing for yourself and not just coming up to which one of us you think has the touch that day. Because, listen, listen, even Jesus himself had a day in a town called Nazareth where nobody got any mighty miracles that day because they did not have the belief. And so all I'm doing tonight is I'm encouraging you. 
where Jesus consistently said, fear not, only believe. I've got the power. I'll do my part. I need you to do your part. Just believe. And if we can just, I mean, it's not that complicated, but if we can start there, man. And you know, sometimes God will tell you to do bigger things. Like, I need you to go forgive this guy. I need you to go take care of this. I need you to go make this. Then do all that. Absolutely. But it always starts right here. Fear not, only believe. And you'll see the impossible. Amen? All right, let's stand up. we got to quit there. All right. Praise the Lord. Well, I hope that you got something out of the night, that tonight. Took some notes. Received uh, from the Word. We threw a lot of scriptures out there for you this evening. And it's so important that you write these things down. I mean, I when, when I'm not preaching up here i'm taking notes from whoever is and i'm i go back and i read these things man i want to i want to get as much out of it as i can all right well we're going to go ahead and offer prayer to you this evening and so if you're here and you need prayer tonight uh we want to uh offer that to you so let's have josh kind of close us out in a song here if you need prayer come on up we'd love to pray for you and uh if not then praise god uh you just worship the lord where you're at melinda you want to come help me out and be on the prayer team
the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. All the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. start closing things down here. You know we got a little ministry going on here, so we'll be uh, we'll be respectful of that. Want to remind you, young adults, Friday, seven o'clock. If you're in the eighteen to thirty-ish range, uh, come on out to young adults. I think that Pastor Katie and I might actually be there to do the do the lesson that night. So uh, if you ever wanted quality time with Pastor Katie and I, which you probably haven't, but just in case you did, uh, this is your chance to get that. So. Anyway, come on out. Men, we've got men's meeting Saturday, 9 o'clock. Who's going to be here? All right. Okay. <laughs> Me and James will be here. It's going to be great. And then, of course, we got all this other awesome stuff coming up with the holidays and everything else. So stay in the loop. And uh, we're going to have a great, great Christmas season together this year. Amen. All right. Let's close our eyes. And we are going to close out in prayer and then do our Barstow Faith Confession. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in your word tonight. And, Lord, we are going to obey your word. We're going to fear not and only believe in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, we know that you've got the power. You've got your part, and we know you're doing it because you always deliver. But on our end, help us to do our part and believe and fear not. We love you, and we thank you, and we're going to see some great things happening, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Can everybody say amen? All right, let's speak some faith over Barstow. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. 
Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll see you this weekend.